This is Guys Read Romance, where I, romance author Margot Radcliffe, politely strong-arm my male friends into reading and chatting about romance novels with me for an uncomfortably long period of time. Okay, today I'm chatting with my old dear friend Richard Herndon. We've known each other since middle school, where even then he made fun of the girl's obsession with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, <laughs> which I rewatched during the pandemic, by the way, and it's a true and horrifying disaster. Is it, anyway, is it, is it, is it not just, yeah, go ahead, sorry. It's truly, everything about it is terrible. <laughs> I mean, we can, talk, we can discuss it later. How did, how did we not know that Kevin Costner was so horrible? Until later in our lives. Like, you know, He's like literally it, it's the worst actor ever. It's, <laughs> how's that guy in so many things like that? He was, hasn't he won awards for acting? <laughs> I think, but I can't see how it really, it was really, really terrible. He's not even that attractive. Like, I don't get it anyway, but it does make Atlantis, whatever that movie was that like totally bombed. <laughs> Waterworld? <laughs> that bombing makes way more sense after having rewatched Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, that kind of connects the dots there. Yeah, things really fell into place. Anyway, all right. He's a talented musician in the band Mr. James, uh, knows everything there is to know about Led Zeppelin, and does a hilarious and perfect Robert Goulet impression. He can, he can rant with the best of them, and I think is romantic at heart. He's also easily malleable, which is why he agreed to be on this podcast. So thank you, Richard, for agreeing to this, and I'm excited to talk about romance with you. I'm excited, too. It's uh, very cool, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Okay, first question. <laughs> I'm still, now I'm just going to think about Kevin Costner this whole time. <laughs> I know, it's hard. Field of Dreams, too. You know, I mean, there's that whole thing. Like, that's supposed to be an all-time classic. And every time I watch it, I'm like, why was this movie made? You know, this doesn't even make sense. You know, uh, maybe it's not supposed to make sense. Maybe anything that Kevin Costner does is not supposed to make sense. Um, but yeah, go, sorry. Well, we, we, can, we, could, we could do a whole thing just on that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting in the way, though. Go ahead. Good. No, you're not in the way. Did you say that there is a Field of Dreams, too? Or did you? Or are you referencing the original Field of Dreams? No, just the original. Um, there is no Field of Dreams two. Thank goodness. I actually have loosely a concept, a kind of Field of Dreams two, except uh -huh. it, it it has nothing to do with Shoeless Joe Jackson coming back to some random farmer's field. It would be um, it would be about Dean Martin and Steubenville. Okay. Instead of like building a baseball field. Somebody would build a whiskey and steak bar and the ghost of Dean Martin would appear and be like, hey, thanks, baby. You know, where's Jerry? All that kind of thing. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you should get on it. I will. I, I will. I'm sure that somebody will pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> Love that idea. <laughs> you could call it like fields of misogyny or like <laughs> fields. <laughs> Like uh, fields of mediocre music. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> fair, fair enough. All right. Kevin Costner is still terrible. Yes. It does also make me appreciate, by the way, Men in Tights, because this movie totally needed to be made fun of. Prince of Yeah. And, well, I mean, and Carrie Ewells is a, is a national treasure. So, you know, yeah, Men in Tights is an old timer. And it needed to be made. And they were far ahead of the curve from us because people legitimately thought that was a good movie for way too long. It is not. It's it is not. not. But it's it did. True. It did. It did 
have, oh, why can't I remember his name? Professor Snape. Yes, Alan Rickman. Yes, thank you. Why, why could I not remember Alan Rickman's name? I don't know. But yes, it did have Alan Rickman in it, and that goes a long way. Yes, an R.I.P. Alan Rickman. Yes, yes, right. yes. What a dude. And we were just talking about Field of Dreams a minute ago. So also R.I.P. Ray Liotta. Ah, oh, God. So many people dead. Anyway, all right. So Richard, tell me what you normally read. Uh, well, I grew up reading a lot of fantasy. I think I read the Lord of the Rings series, you know, in early grade school, mm. along with, of course, Chronicles of Narnia around the same time, you know, Black Cauldron by Lloyd Alexander, that whole thing. As I moved along in time, I read a lot of Vonnegut, Hunter S. Thompson, high school, early college years. And then I sort of got more into like classic literature, like your Kerouac and your Hemingway and all that stuff. Just the real boring, sort of too cool, like hipster sort of shit, you know. And then a lot of history, especially through some of the majors I had, Really got into reading a lot of history. I'm, I'm kind of a history nerd. And yeah, yeah, just a, a lot of stuff, but primarily covering, I, I guess, those kinds of things. All right. Sounds like you read a lot. So why don't you and why have you never read romance? Well, it just, it has a certain reputation, you know? I mean, that, that's part of the whole idea of, of this podcast is to sort of like dispel some of these preconceived notions, I guess, that the that the genre has. And, and that's that it's, you know, sure. cheesy, poorly written corny, mm -hmm. basic, <laughs> yeah. basically just an excuse to do some written porn. Like, right. like there's nothing really going on in these books except for just... You guys keep saying that as if it's like a bad thing, as if written porn is like. Well, I'm gonna forget I'm gonna, it. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that actually. I'm gonna that's a little sub topic I have here about uh, misconceptions <laughs> about guys, and that is that oh. we're probably way bigger prudes than women think that we are in most ways. Uh, but, All right. but, uh, or at least I'm speaking for myself, I suppose. <laughs> but, but no, uh, I, it just, it was, it has a stigma about it. And particularly when you're, you're younger and you're just so eager to try to prove how cool you are, you don't want to be caught reading something like that, I guess. I, I, I have um, a funny little anecdote. I think I related this to you the other day about when I was a really little kid and the bookmobile came and I found some of the, uh, 80s sort of style romance novel shoved in the corner back there and had the cover you know my my mom used to call them bodice rippers the uh yeah the, sure. the, the, it has the the cover with the big muscle muscle bound dude with the long fabio hair mm -hmm. with a you know half naked woman like draped over his arm and and the entire book is just you know that scene like i think it's in naked gun 2 where they had the, the the scientist is accidentally reading a romance novel up at the podium, and he's saying like, right. he's like he put his purple-headed warrior into a quivering mound of love pudding. That part, yeah, <laughs> love pudding, <laughs> love pudding, <laughs> yeah. And and so you know that was what this novel was like. Like every other page was basically just very corny, descriptive ways of talking about sex. So like as a, as a kid, I just kind of thought they were a little bit naughty and I thought they were just kind of corny and cheesy written and just, they, I just kind of thought it was fluff. So speaking of bodice rippers, there is a whole bookstore and I think Los Angeles called The Ripped Bodice and it's uh, kind of an homage to romance novels and it sells only romance novels because like oh. usually if you go into independent bookstores, even now, you don't see a lot of romance because as you said, 
people are too cool for it. Yes. So it's like it's open been, their own. It's been stigmatized, yeah. And and so anybody who fancies himself like a book hound, so it's mm-hmm. just it's just one of those things. Right. I mean, it's why I didn't tell people I read romance novels for forever, right? Because I was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, sounds good. You, you know, a lot of guys have said the same thing. And yeah, I mean, we'll see how that kind of bears out as we talk about this book. But speaking of overly cheesy descriptions of sex, we're going to go right into this sex scene game where I read you two passages, one that was written by a man and one that was written by a woman, (laughs) not to say anything about gender differences or gender norms. This is just a game. And uh, (laughs) so I'm going to read these and you'll have to guess. Are you ready? I am. Okay. I shoot hot bolts into you, Tanya. I make your ovaries incandescent. Your Sylvester is a little jealous now. He feels something, does he? He feels the remnants of my big prick. I have set the shores a little wider. I have ironed out the wrinkles. Right. Wow. That's the first one. Okay, so do I guess now? No, wait until I'm done. Gotcha. (laughs) Here we go. Second one. She answered by plastering her mouth on his and kissing him in a way she'd never thought possible. Her hips moving against him, knowing there must be more. Ben settled himself between her legs. She cradled his hips with her thighs, and then he was at the portal. The portal. Yeah, that was something. It was a choice. (laughs) So which one do you think was written by a man, and which one do you think was written by a woman? Okay, so they're definitely not both written by a man, right? I would not do that to you, Okay. Because I was pretty sure that I had it up until the term portal was used. Uh, But uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the first one is for sure written by a man. And the second one is written by a woman. Exactly right. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, the first one, the first one was out of control. I could have told you after like one line that that was written by a dude and he's not adjusted well, by the way. (laughs) Never wrote that. (laughs) Well, it was The Tropic of Cancer by Henry Miller, a hugely famous hipster book. So there you have it. What? Are you serious? (laughs) I've never, and I've never read that before either. Wow, that that was a Henry Miller quote? 100% Henry Miller. Wow. (laughs) That just goes to show that bad taste knows no talent. It's just, you know, he it was very intense. He felt a lot. Really? <laughs> yeah, about his dick, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then the first one was The Match of the Century by Kathy Maxwell. And that was that's a historical romance, so if that means anything. But yeah, Portal was weird. Yeah. Was- a lot more classy and rooted in reality. And then she went with Portal. Right. And I was like, all right, well, uh, that's like you said, a choice, I suppose. <laughs> yes. But hey, you know, I mean, you know, you got to you got to switch things up a little bit. And she gave it a, she gave it a try. She gave it a hard cut. Yeah. So. I mean, listen, there are only so many different words for whole, you know. Exactly. You, you, you can you know, you can you can only use the usual terminology so many times. Right. What are you going to put in a piece of literature anyway? I mean, you're, you're, Vijayjay, that's not going to fly. You know what I mean? I, you know what I have been waiting for, speaking of terms like Vijayjay, is, which I can't believe I just said out loud. Right, me neither. 
as vajazzling. I'm ready for <laughs> to start having like a characters who go like get vajazzled because I would really like that. Vajazzled. <laughs> In a conversation like, oh, look at those vagina jewels. How, <laughs> how are those? <laughs> Where'd you go to get that done? I love your vajazzle. <laughs> There's so much. I mean, I, these are a missed opportunities. So hopefully romance with I, I agree. 100%. All right, Richard. Thank you. Congratulations. You win. Fantastic. So today we are reading a markedly different novel from either of those quotes. We are reading People You Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Yes. A little bit about... <laughs> The author in this book, Emily Henry, is a number one New York Times bestselling author. She also writes YA novels. Her books have been featured in BuzzFeed, Oprah Magazine, Entertainment Weekly, The New York Times, The Skim, Shondaland, and more. She's truly the biggest name in romance right now. Her and like Colleen Hoover are just the biggest. Yeah, when I was, um, oh, sorry. Okay. Um, when I was doing a little bit of research on the book, uh, ahead of reading it, she was definitely all over the place. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she is huge. People love her. All right. So uh, the book description, people you meet on vacation, um, Poppy and Alex, Alex and Poppy, they have nothing in common. She's a wild child. He wears khakis. She has insatiable wanderlust. He prefers to stay at home with the book. And somehow, ever since a fateful car share home from college many years ago, they are the very best of friends. For most of the year, they live apart. She's in New York City, and he's in their small town. But every summer, for a decade, they have taken one glorious week of vacation together. Until two years ago, when they ruined everything. They haven't spoken since. Poppy has everything she should want, but she's stuck in a rut. When someone asks when she was last truly happy, she knows, without a doubt, it was on that ill-fated final trip with Alex. And so she decides to convince her best friend to take one more vacation together, lay everything on the table, make it all right. Miraculously, he agrees. Now she has a week to fix everything. If only she can get around the one big truth that has always stood quietly in the middle of the, their seemingly perfect relationship. What could possibly go wrong? What indeed? <laughs> we figure out what can go wrong. All right. Richard, why did you pick this book? I gave you a list of, um, I think yours was mostly contemporary, honestly. So what, what about this one stood out to you? Well, the top thing is, is you recommended it. Um, <laughs> and you, you know what you're talking about. Way, way more on this specific topic. I mean, in general. But on this specific topic, uh, uh, certainly more than me. Sure. And um, thank you. like I said, I sort of like did a little bit of research on the, the list that you gave me. And this one just seemed like it was going to be kind of light and fun and airy. You know, like it, it wasn't going to be too heavy. And it seemed like she seemed like she was so well known that there had to be something to it. Right. Like, so I felt like I was probably in for a better time with this one than I would be maybe for um, a lot of others. I, I, I just, I just, I had a good feeling about it. Let's just say that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hugely, she's hugely popular. And I thought, I think I made a note that this, the main character in this, I felt like had some, some, like you could relate to this main care, main character, male main. Yeah. Character. Me, me and, me and Alex are definitely far. We're, we're definitely very different. Sure. But there are some similarities there for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually ended up, you know, not to get too far ahead of myself, I think I'm way more like Poppy. Though, really? As far as a person is concerned. Yeah, just very, 
irresponsible. (laughs) (laughs) But she wasn't, I mean, she wasn't that, I mean, we can talk about this later, but she wasn't that irresponsible, right? Because she, I mean, she held down a great job. She like... No, no, she had a a real career and everything. I just mean a little bit uh, flighty and sort of just goes with her passions, I guess, you know? Sure, fair enough. Whereas Alex is like the... Even though he shares a lot of characteristics to me, he's more of like, you know, the very responsible, straight-laced, like take care of his family and and, and wants to like settle down and have kids and be a teacher and all this. And and a lot of that sounds absolutely horrifying to me. Um, (laughs) But, you know, like, so I can kind of actually relate to Poppy in this one, maybe a bit more than Alex. But I understand exactly where you're coming from about the similarities between me and Alex, though. Sure. Yeah, for sure. I guess it was like his, the way, what I, to be honest, when I first read the book, when she was describing him as a person, I thought, like, without any provocation, uh, I, like, you came into my head. Like, I don't know, like, the, I don't know if it was, like, just the way I, he wasn't a crowd of people, I guess. I don't know. I got but you. anyway, so I'm glad that you enjoyed it. So, all right. So, fair enough. Moving on. So, kind of, what were your first impressions, then, of the cover the summary, like once you kind of got your hands on it, what were your first impressions of all that? Like what kind of feelings did you have before you started actually reading? Well, just looking at the cover itself, it's obviously a very beachy sort of looking, you know, book. Like it just seems like it's going to be kind of light and fun. Like it's not, you know, it's a little bit nondescript. You know, you you look at the cover of this book and it could really be about a, a a multitude of things, but it's, it clearly has a very beachy sort of feel light and fun. Yeah. You know, uh, so, uh, and, uh, then you read the description of it and frankly, it is, it's just like, I was like, okay, so when Harry met Sally, like that's, that's what we're doing. It's the, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the friends to lovers trope, right? Like the, the the bastard middle stepchild to the, um, to the enemies to lovers or the uh, rivals to lovers sort of story. Right. So um, that's, that, that was kind of my initial impressions. Wow, Richard, you're really talking like a romance reader. Enemies to lovers, friends to lovers. I mean, these classic tropes. Well, they're, they're, they're tropes though, right? I mean, you know, we've seen them in countless movies before, right? Yes. We've got to have a name for them. What is that like an actual like term or something or? Yeah. Enemies to lovers. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We do see them everywhere outside of romance, but enemies to lovers is like hugely popular in romance. Right. And I think that you're right in saying that friends to lovers sometimes is not as popular. People like it when people hate each other. I don't know what it is, but well, they, the people enjoy conflict more than more than they do resolution. So, <laughs> so I, I, I think that it's just sort of, and plus there's that sort of, there's that feeling, especially amongst men, which I think is just total horseshit, and, and I'll, I'll get to this a little bit later, but uh, in, in, in its entirety. But there's that feeling amongst men that like, oh, women and men can't be friends. Oh, you right. know, that's not possible because of the sex. You know, and, it's, <laughs> and I think that maybe that's settled into our collective consciousness a little bit. Uh-huh. And maybe people are just sort of turned off by that idea as a, as a concept. Maybe they feel they can't relate to it. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think, yeah, but I think that Harry Met Sally, when Harry Met Sally, was kind of one of those people that spelled that out, like women and men can't be friends, right? And so that... Yes, there's like the scene in the car, literally, where he says, you know, Billy Crystal says, you know, women and men can't be friends because of the whole sex thing. Right. And she just looks at him like he's an asshole because, well, that's kind of an asshole thing to say, frankly. (laughs) 
I mean, when you, I mean, look, I like no shade to when Harry met Sally, but when you watch a lot of old rom-coms like that, uh, most of the dudes uh, are assholes. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely. It's quite oh, clear. Oh, absolutely. Like they really put it on the nose, don't they? Wow, this guy is just kind of a dickhead. Yeah, for um, sure. And of course, there's also the whole Pam and Jim thing right. and Chandler and Monica, friends. and and, Chandler and, so... and Monica over Ross and Rachel. Okay. Because they, yeah, yeah. I always kind of thought Ross and Rachel. There was it always seemed like there was tension there going all the way back to early on in the, in, in that show. Right. But like the whole Chandler Monica thing didn't really sort of cultivate itself until halfway through the whole you know series. So True. so that that to me that feels like a more honest interpretation of the friends to lovers trope. I guess that's why I picked that. Fair enough. Even though yeah, Ross is a <laughs> horror show. I mean, if you rewatch Friends, yes. He's a oh my goodness, he's he's kind of a fucking psychopath, he's, isn't he? <laughs> he's really. Have you ever, have you ever watched the um? There's like YouTube videos out there, of people who have cut together Ross without any context. No. And he just he just acts. It's like watching a crazy person. You know? <laughs> I never I never liked Ross. I, I I I will I will unashamedly unabashedly sit here and tell you that Friends was great. And I, I watched like every fucking episode of that show. Right, of course we um, all did. <laughs> we all did. We all did. We all did. I mean, it was kind of required viewing, like along with like Seinfeld and you know all, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, but Ross, no, I never liked Ross. That guy, he was always a boner. I just not. He's, he's just, just kind of a jerk. Just just like like I think I'm a train wreck of a human being. Like Ross is at Ross is out of control. Like I can at least look at Ross, even though he doesn't exist. He's not a real person. But I can at least look at that character and be like, at least I'm not that guy, you know. <laughs> yeah, he was a train wreck. Fine, but that's interesting. I'm so glad that you picked Monica and Chandler because they did actually have in the end. I, Monica got a little too shrill for me at the end of the series there, but their relationship was so much healthier than Ross and Rachel um, in the end. And it just felt it felt more organic, and you know what I mean. Like it, like it just I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so this cover, going back to that for a second, it is, I mean, these books were released in the summer. They are meant to be beach reads. Her first novel, her first romance that really kind of hit it big was called literally Beach Read. So this is, they're on vacation. The cover is another one of those cartoon covers which are very popular in romance right now, especially for these kind of romantic comedies as they're being called. All right, Richard, so what my question was, so this cover very you know it's very kind of upbeat it's orange there's palm trees they're lounging did this cover kind of deliver on the tone of what you read in the book absolutely okay yeah yeah i mean it was it was it's 100 percent. whoever the marketing guy is or whoever who came up with the cover art for this book did a really good job sort of tying it into the material because it did convey actually surprisingly enough as simple and straightforward it is but via the color palette choices and the general tone the, the book itself was was very light and airy and, and just easy going. And yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it was it conveyed that well. Great. And yeah, and they're in Palm Springs, really. In the present day, there's a lot of flashbacks yeah. in this book, but in the present day, they're in Palm Springs. And so they've got palm trees. I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? So 100%. Yeah. And it also, you know, as a little side note, it was, again, like based on my very little knowledge I have prior of romance novels is completely contrary to what I was expecting. Okay, great. Yeah, because you, I mean, as we've said, it's like the bodice. Bodice rippers. Right. Okay, sounds good. So 
So were you like excited to start reading? Like were you just like, oh, I'm gonna get through this? After reading the description, was there anything in the in the summary that kind of sparked your interest outside of this and that differed from your perception of those kind of bodice ripping romance novel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that the whole friends to lovers concept is, is fascinating. You know, it's never, it's never happened to me. It's never been a part of my life necessarily, <laughs> no. uh, but, but it just, it's just interesting as an idea. So, right. so yeah, I was, I was pretty eager to dig in and plus I, I like to try new stuff and, and I just, I, this whole idea seemed really cool. And, and yeah, so I was, I was anxious to get started and see, see, you know, what it was all about. And I, I'm a pretty fast reader. Um, I got this book done. I want to say in three, maybe four days. Wow. Um, so I can, I can tear through stuff pretty quickly. So it, it's not as if like I was anticipating having to like, Oh God, I got to trudge through this for weeks. No, it was, you know, I was already. Well, like, you know, last week I was up there house sitting my friend's property and, you know, it actually was a perfect opportunity to to just sort of use that as an excuse to you know, read this book and give it some serious consideration. Cool. Well, sounds great. So when you were reading it, did you find the dialogue realistic? And do you think that that's how people talk to each other? Yeah, I actually think that was one of the better parts of the book. Their banter is very realistic. A lot of the references that they pull out about just uh, culture and music, you know, media, movies, television shows, uh, things like that throughout all of the flashbacks in present day was all very accurate. And the, they didn't talk to each other like they were objects. They had interactions that I would consider to be pretty realistic, real to life, both when they were just friends and also as they realized that they were maybe more than friends. I thought that she was very good, actually, with how she had the characters interact with each other. I, I would consider it to be very believable, yes. Yeah, there were a lot of inside jokes, right, that she yes. would get in there. Yes, Everywhere, like, in the each trip seemed to have, like, a different inside joke. The more wines. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Too many, <laughs> too many, too many wines. Too many wines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... And, and I mean, maybe that's why I related to it so much, because as you know, I'm, I'm very much an inside joke kind of guy, sure. you know, like a, a referential kind of inside jokey kind of guy. Right. So I really appreciated, I don't know, that treatment, I guess. Right. I, and I think that I do too. I'm a very inside joke person. And I think it's the people like them, right? Because like it denotes intimacy of some kind, right? And so like yes. in familiarity. And so she did such a good job with that, with these characters, because like I said, each trip back to the past had one. There was one, uh, there were two two of them that stuck out the, um, uh, what that woman said, uh, it speaks to me. They kept saying that over and over again every time they- Yes, that was, was that Santabel? Maybe, yeah. Or no, Vale. Yeah, that was Veil. That was the Veil trip. Yep. And yep, then yep. Uh, Theme Matters was... Yeah, Theme Matters. That was New Orleans, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think that weird people have inside jokes. This is, again, a generalization. <laughs> but like, I think that people who are outsiders, who these characters are, right? She made that very clear. That they, yes. If they were or they weren't is up for debate, but they felt that way. So like, I think that this is a characteristic of people who feel on the outside, right? To have these sort of inside jokes that connect them to other people are important, right? And so she she does like a great job 
making their friendship unique in in that way, I thought. So yeah, I guess I never thought of it that way. But that's 100% true. Yeah, I mean, the whole referential and inside jokiness is kind of endemic more of eccentric people, isn't it? I mean, I that's where I'm living. So I'm just assuming so. (laughs) (laughs) True. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And And I only surround myself with the same. So right, exactly. Right. So that's like a thing. Anyway, so and writers are, of course, I mean, I don't know if you follow Emily and Henry on Instagram, but Mm-mm. I would say she falls in, in the in the category. All right. So speaking of, did you feel that there is true chemistry between Poppy and Alex? And did you believe that they were falling in love, that they were, that they were in love? Yeah. I mean, you know, considering how different as people they are, you know, in the book, of course, accentuated that and made sure to let you know how different they are as people, right. which really, in, in a lot of ways, makes it even more of a challenge for the writer to establish valid chemistry between two people who are so dissimilar. But I think she did a really good job, again, of, and, and again, a lot of that stuff is as played out through the dialogue and, and, and everything else. And she, she has a gift for that, it seems, of, of creating believable situations and believable dialogue. So I, yeah, I think there was, there was definitely chemistry between the two. And as to whether or not it's believable that they're in love, by the end, yes. Yeah, you know, and and I appreciated how, you know, it was a building thing for Poppy. She always kind of said, there's that like 5% what if that's always inside of me, but I always tamp it down. That feeling only grows as their trips continue. So yeah, I I think that she did a good job of portraying that correctly. Yes. So I one of the things that they say... I don't know if it's early. I feel like maybe it's toward the middle or toward the end of the book. Or And I think that Alex says it. And he says something like, I didn't exist as a person until I'm, I met you. And I mm-hmm. thought that that was like such an interesting statement, right? How, of course, he existed as himself before that. And he was the same person. But what he's saying in that moment is that like the person that I want to be has not been reflected to me through anybody else but you, right? Like you're the only person who sees me in a way that one, I'm comfortable with and two, that I that the person who I actually am, right? I'm all of these yes. things, different things to everybody else in my life, but you're the only person who, Poppy is the only person who sees him as just this person. And so I thought that that was kind of a moment that was kind of profound for a romance novel and for any novel, really, I shouldn't um, couch it like that, but. Well, there was, there was a lot of really for, again, like uh, for the kind of thing that I thought I was going to be getting into here, Mm -hmm. there was a, a good bit of frankly, pretty profound, you know, points being made about relationships mm-hmm. and love, etc. <laughs> so and, and all that. So I agree, I was I was a little taken aback at how um, how tender and accurate she was able to sort of get with some of the with some of the concepts she was laying forward. And that's that's real, like what Alex was feeling was was real there. You know, I can tell you, you know, that there's there's something to that where if you find the right person Mm -hmm. they really do help bring all the best parts out in you and make you want to work on rounding out the rougher parts you know so i i thought that was pretty profound too i was was a little surprised to be reading stuff like that (laughs) 
you know, in, in a romance novel. <laughs> right. But it essentially, it, it, people think that, right? And it's easy to think, right? But I mean, these are about, these novels are about relationships, right? And so relationships are complicated and complex and people are complicated and complex. And so trying to get people together is not always easy. And so when you have these kind of quiet, like, Enemies to lovers is bombastic, right? And you right. you have all that tension and that conflict. And then something like this, which is friends to lovers, how do we create that interest, right? And it's kind of like by digging deeply, I think, into these characters and their motivations and their relationship with each other. And I just thought that that was such a sweet moment, especially because of Alex's entire story, right? He doesn't... Yes. He's kind of living like in this, we've talked about this before in, in other podcasts, like these male characters who are, who are kind of, he's living his life for other people. And, and he's actually trying to do that at the same time. He's actually in essence, when he, he's clearly been in love with Poppy for 12, for a decade and hasn't right. said anything. Poppy is the one where, who is in question about her feelings for Alex, but it's clear to us, I think as readers for most of it, that he is, in, in love with her and that he's been in love with her but he is again because of who he is backing off right because he doesn't think he can make her happy and the point of his whole life is making other people happy right and so like right. in these moment in that moment he's saying i this is where i am actually can be happy but i'm not even going to choose it because it won't make you happy right and so that's so it's such a deep and meaningful and selfless concept to kind of explore because and it can only happen between friends right because you genuinely yes. love your care for that person yeah and so like that's what's remarkable about it and i and so yeah and so all of these things are deeply intense even though this book is super playful those moments balanced against kind of that lightheartedness really worked for me anyway. I thought that they were pretty, pretty great. No, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, that's the reason. I mean, just to get this out of the way now is not a big reveal. Like that's, you know, I like this book. And, right. and, and I, I actually think that's the big reason I liked this book is because, you know, you're dealing with some pretty complicated issues here mm -hmm. that are very, very difficult, speaking for myself, at least very difficult to vocalize and to put down on paper. Mm -hmm. And she seems to have a knack for that, really cutting to the core of it and in a just really tender sort of heartfelt way expressing it to the reader, which is not easy. I mean, you know, you, you read those, you know, we did the, the sex scene game earlier where you read those two quotes. And I mean, clearly it's not easy <laughs> to, to sort of write these things for everybody. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I don't think that she, and it, sometimes it can be cheesy, right? Lo talking about love is cheesy. I mean, like I, yes. by default, it's, yes, it's corny and lame and stupid and everything is dumb and like, whatever. <laughs> but she, I think that in most romance novels, I think are able to, in contrast to whatever, how everybody thinks that they're written, I think that they actually do a wonderful job at these moments that are have to be treated with some care and delicacy. And well, that's um, that's kind of what I'm finding out here is that that is where the talent in this kind of writing is. Not everybody can do that, and these authors are able to. That's their talent. That's their wheelhouse. And and people want to read that sort of thing because they themselves have difficulty grasping it and conceptualizing it. 
And these people have a talent for putting it on pages. So yeah, I agree. I think now I think it's a really, really legitimate talent, a skill as an author. So that's, that's neat. I, I, I think, I think that's super cool. That's a cool thing for me to learn. So <laughs> there you go. And like, I wonder, I think about, is it because of age, the things that, I mean, I still think a lot of things are cheesy and I, I still think a lot of things are lame. I think that this part of my present, but like, I wonder if it's, it's embarrassing to kind of read these things when you're very young. You know what I mean? Regardless, oh, oh my God. Absolutely. I mean, of course that has a ton to do with it. You know, when, when I was, when I was a high school or a 20 some year old, I was obnoxious, you know, just, just, I, I was <laughs> like, you know, always, always just, you know, Richard, always just, just, I mean, I didn't know shit, you know, like you, you think, you know, everything, but you, you don't know shit. Yeah. And you spend your entire time trying to figure out how to look cool and act cool, but you're not because <laughs> you don't know anything yet. You're missing all of this good information <laughs> because out of out of a want, what, for, for preening to, to strut around like a peacock and to pretend like you're cooler than everybody else? Right. Yeah. It, it's like music. You know, I, when, when I was younger, I would only listen to very certain types of certain bands, certain genres, and only those. And as I've gotten older, you know, I, I listen to just just almost everything except for modern countries. Fucking horrible. Um, <laughs> you don't like the bro country? Oh God, no, no. God, no. It's just terrible. That was also that I really liked Poppy this whole book until uh, the Nashville trip when she put on Shania Twain. <laughs> Shania Twain is the fucking worst. Why she was ever allowed to make music, I, I don't know. All right. So, Richard, in your opinion... Speaking of kind of being embarrassed about things in your youth, was the sex satisfying or well written to you in this book? Or and was it what you were expecting having never read an entire romance novel before? Well, there wasn't much of it, was there? I think there was um I think there was only two scenes right. that I can really recall. Mm -hmm. you no, know, there was some like making out and heavy petting and all that fun shit, but as far as actual sex scenes, I want to say there was only Two, maybe three. Yeah. And they were 100% realistic, actually, and way different than I was expecting. Again, I was expecting all the cheesy tropes and, uh, you know, like the the over-descriptedness and, uh, and, you know, just the cringy kind of stuff. But no, it was actually very, very sweet, actually, you know, just very true to form, you know, very, again, like most things in this novel, except for some of the concepts, which are a little hard to believe, but just very true to life. You know, seemed realistic to me. Not overly flowery. Again, you know, just kind of, I think it helps exponentially being written from the female point of view. Okay. Um, I think that helps a lot to make it, again, a little bit more believable and true to life. I feel like the male perspective on this would be more like, you know, ramrod, sort of like uh, just going to town. <laughs> but, but like, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, it's difficult to describe, I suppose, but but she seems to concentrate more on some of the, you know, the feelings and the emotion and the softness and the, I don't know, the things that make it actually enjoyable. <laughs> she she seems to be more in tune with, because again, as a woman, you know, that makes more, more sense to me. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I thought they were done well. I did. So when you, do we think that that's why, I mean, like, because there are a lot of, of I mean, I've read countless numbers of sex scenes written in the male perspective, mostly by mm -hmm. women, of course. But 
and it, it they come in also with a whole host of things like you know insecurities and tiredness mm-hmm. and like you know things like that so like when you but i think that when you said like other like ramrod or whatever just going to town like i i do think that there's i think that that's what we expect the the male perspective to be and so like that's true one of the reasons i ask these questions is that is it obviously this wasn't flower i didn't think it was flowery but it was romantic in a sense i mean it like belief right that that's all guys think about and then this these scenes written from her perspective you do get the emotional side but it is physical they are having sex they're out in the rain which, mm-hmm. which is silly, you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> on a balcony and it's, you know, and it surrounded by like whatever that tarp tarp things were. Cause it's so hot. Yeah. The construction work plastic tarp thing. Yeah. In the one bed, only one bed, famous romance. Novel. Famous, famous, famous trope, famous trope. Yeah. Loved it. Of course. Anyway. So on the opposite of this, I have recently read a book that was, it was so hot in this room, right? I recently read a book where like it was freezing. So it's just, funny. it's just, it's just funny. <laughs> just toying with the temperatures that interest. <laughs> yeah. Just anything to get these people in the same bed. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, so I guess my point is that isn't there a world in which guys aren't just fucking, right? You know what I mean? And that's kind of, in essence, what we're trying to get in these scenes that that you've said to you felt realistic, even though they're written from a female perspective, and in this case, in Poppy's perspective, by a female author. I guess my question is, was any of it how you would describe the experience for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe not, you know, 100%. But yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. I guess sex is different as the years go on. You know, when you're younger, just priorities, priorities change. And right. what means fun and happiness changes mm-hmm. too. Right. And as a younger man, I probably would have described things differently if you asked me to. We're all still very young, Richard. Oh, yeah. As I've gotten older and, you know, again, priorities have shifted and I value things differently. And yes, this is more in line with how I would feel today. Now, if I was a 20 something, maybe it would just be more straightforward. And the old the old in and out, Alex. (laughs) But uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of a complicated question, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. And I just, I'm just trying to get out of the assumption that sex is the same for people. You know what I mean? Like you're both there and it's not like a wildly different experience for a woman that is for, you know what I mean? Like you're. No, no. It's, there's always been a, for some reason, just a big misunderstanding there between men and women. I don't know why, but like, it's all just sort of the same experience across the board. So. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Richard. So did you, did you think this book was funny? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I had a few laughs. It wasn't hilarious. I, it wasn't my favorite part of the joke or favorite part of the joke, favorite part of the book, um, the, the humor. I wouldn't say like, if you were to ask me my top three favorite things about this book, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the humor, really? but okay. yeah, no, but it was, it was, but it was funny. It, it was um the, the situations that they were in, again, a lot of the references that were made, sure. their banter was very, very good. It was very good. Uh, the, the, to me, the banter was more, it was it was more like for building chemistry purposes and it was for humor purposes. Right. But there was definitely some, I, I laughed out loud a few times. I'm kind of difficult to make really belly laugh though. 
So maybe that's just more on me. But no, if you were if you were to ask me, like, was this book lot, funny? Richard. Huh? I said, I see you laugh a lot. I know, I know. But how much of it's fake? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so, so... But no, no, it was it was funny. It wasn't like a barrel of laughs, you know what I mean? It wasn't like Rodney Dangerfield up there or anything, but uh, it was it was pretty funny. I think I appreciated just some of the banter related jokes more than like the situational humor. Right. But but yeah, it was it was funny, but it wasn't it wasn't the thing that stuck out the most about the book was the humor. Right. I never enjoy really situational comedy. I don't no, no, I don't think it's like, oh, look at this zany situation we're in. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, it happened again. <laughs> exactly. It's corny and silly. Anyway. Yes. And try hard. Right. Yeah. And it's try hard. All right. Fair enough. So I did think it was funny. I Like I said, their, their communication with each other was funny. Not funny. I mean, it was funny, but it was. It was colorful. And yes, that's a very good term for it. Yeah. And just lively and upbeat. I thought the whole book was, was kind of up. Anyway, all right, so fair enough. There, uh, I'm going to skip question seven because there really weren't a lot of secondary characters. So unless you had something... Yeah, I didn't I didn't have much there. You know, like the, the secondary characters were just kind of there. Yeah. Like Rachel, Rachel, her friend, she, she seemed... I, I liked her okay. Poppy's dad was kind of funny. I yeah. thought he was kind of funny. Yeah. And um, uh, Swapna seems like she'd be a pretty cool boss. Yeah. And and the only other one that I like kind of remembered much about is like Buck. I'd like to think that in another world, I'm Buck. <laughs> Buck like the, the river guy? The river? The water taxi guy? <laughs> the drug house? You know, like they go and party there afterwards. Like, I feel like I've been, I feel like I've been at that party before. Of course. But like, he was kind of a jerk though. I mean. Yeah, I'm kind of a jerk. It's okay. (laughs) I've I've literally never, ever seen you. He was harmless though. You know what I mean? Like he was totally harmless. Like he, he was completely upfront. He wasn't a creeper about things. You know what I mean? Like he was, he he was kind of your salt of the earth party dude. Right. That's hilarious. Richard, it's within your grasp to be buck i mean like i'm basically already buck i just need to have like an eccentric job that kind of like lends itself to alcoholism and shit healedness like like water taxi is perfect like she really nailed that so he just like hangs around the water taxi place you know and waits for all fresh pieces of ass to come into town on tours he's got the whole thing figured out buck does i like buck i relate to buck I, it's interesting. I've just never, that's hilarious. All right. Fair enough. You want to be, aim high, Richard. Aim high. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) The only other one I'll say is that the main secondary character really was, and we didn't see him much, but his specter was so large and that was Alex's dad, right? Yeah. And you don't really even meet him until the very end. No. And he's a total weenie, but. (laughs) He had a lot of feelings. You know? He really had a lot of feelings. Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty sentimental guy. Like, when you get right down to it, believe it or not. I do believe it, Richard. That's why I argued about this Buck characterization <laughs> earlier in this conversation. He just seems so cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. But yeah, no, you are right. I mean, to be accurate, Alex's dad 
is really kind of the uh, well, he's so important to Alex's arc, right? That, that that really that is kind of the main tertiary character for sure. Obviously, parents are huge factors and influences in everybody's life, right? Where and, and Poppy's not, they kind of did, but they were just very positive and supportive. They were like nice. They were like great parents. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That was they were so awesome that they were like almost not believable. Yeah. You know. For sure. And like, I don't believe that a 500 pack of condoms exists, but we don't have to talk about that. Yeah. Is sheepskin? Yeah. Like, I don't think they've done that since the 50s. Yeah. No. I didn't know if he was allergic. I was like, well, then he probably just doesn't buy them at all. Like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but there so there are things like that that were just too silly. But overall, I she I was like these people are are great. But there you got some sense at one point she describes them as the, of the Beverly Hillbillies or like they seem like hoarders. She was trying I think that she was trying to portray almost that they were kind of just these offbeat people who kind of eccentric. But yeah, they what did she call it? the uh, the right family or the right children's family museum? Yes. Uh-huh. Or something like that. She called her, her her childhood home. Right. I feel like at some points though it was she was trying to say that it was kind of an issue. You know what I mean? Like they were too quirky to the point where people made fun of them. Did you get that sense? I felt like I was getting Oh, for sure. No, she that was that was a big point of contention for her. I mean that that was oh she had the one boyfriend where that kind of broke her heart, you know what I mean? Like she could tell like he was kind of icked out by the by 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 coming home and visiting her parents like because he was kind of fastidious and like uh, she could tell that he was making an effort but she could also tell that he was really not enjoying himself and thought the whole situation was weird yeah so she had this along with a lot of her her childhood trauma of being bullied and everything and already feeling like an outsider she had her whole her very eccentric parents and this internal conflict over loving them to pieces uh, and recognizing what amazing parents they are but also being a little bit embarrassed at how eccentric they, they came across. Yes. Internal conflict. Love it, Richard. Bringing it all out. Yeah. And then on the other end, you know, Alex's mom died. So he was just with his father. When he was six. Right. When he was six, he was young. But he always kind of, and it seemed like he raised his his brothers and that the responsibility of that heavily impacted him. Yeah, I would say the the backgrounds of both main characters are actually kind of the real story of their romance, mm -hmm. you know, and how it formed them into the people that they are, and the hangups that it caused to get them to the point that they're in with Alex's trauma from his mom dying and his dad taking it really hard yeah. <laughs> for a really long time yeah. <laughs> and him having to raise his entire gaggle of brothers and be the responsible one play the father figure and everything it really imparted a very deep sense of loss and potential loss actually is the important thing of maybe finding something that could make you happy but the fear of losing that. Right. And then, of course, Poppy had built-in uh, trauma of all the bullying and her eccentric family and never feeling like she belonged anywhere or belonged to anything or even really belonged to this world and that she was always running from something or always attempting to fix things instead of addressing them. So, yeah, I would say the real, and I think that's the reason why this book comes across so well, is because it actually makes a real effort to put believable 
backgrounds and backdrops behind both of the these characters to make them seem as believable as they are because you, like we all know people like this you know and you know i know people like this shit in some ways i'm like this you know i'm, I'm kind of a meld between some of these concepts and these backgrounds so exactly. it makes it infinitely relatable and it adds another layer of believability to the entire thing. Right, for sure. And I liked at the end, they both started therapy, right? And that's like a pretty new concept. They were able to acknowledge on their own what their issues were, which sometimes doesn't happen, right? Sometimes Mm -mm. people have to point things out or like the other character points a problem out. And like, this was just a very kind of mature look at these, this is what I, I have to do so that I can be with you and so that we can be together, right? And so Poppy understood that she was running away. She tried to, she figured it out. She had that kind of silly moment with the guy, with her, that kid that made fun of her. Oh yeah, the, the guy, like her her first, like uh, sort of as a kid, like her first quote unquote boyfriend or whatever, who like shamed her. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, was, and, and he ended up like feeling horrible about it. And like he went through, you know, he's like, I just had to say something and apologize. And, right. and it kind of snapped her, you know, into reality a little bit. And yeah. it was like, shit, I got to tackle some of these issues, you know, like right. I actually, well, well, what's the old cliche? I mean, you, you know, you before you can ever truly know anybody else, you have to know yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also thought that that moment was such another one of those kind of moments where even I was like, oh, yeah, it was kind of poignant where she had built up this bully or this childhood bully in her head. And when she meets him in a scene, he's just, yeah, he's, he's kind of pathetic. You know what I mean? I like he's like, I don't think he's pathetic. And I think that that's where she threaded this line, right? Cause she could have in this moment just made him like be like a shitty person. She really could have really given him both barrels. Right. Yes. And, but instead the description of him is such that he's just a normal person. You know he's I mean? just a dude now. He's just another guy now. You know, he's yeah. kind of you know, balding. He's a little, little, getting a little bigger around the middle. Right. This is all, this is the book, not me. <laughs> and so, and she's just like, "You're right. No, that's a good point." And she just sort of, it kind of like makes her realize it's just this is just another person now. Like this is that's all so in the past that this is not even relevant anymore. Look at this guy. He's just another guy, and like he's been carrying this around too. Right. Turns out. Right. You know? And it's it's such a commentary about our relationship again with home, right? Poppy, and he was happy. This guy that she met, he was happy. He was like, I'm happily married. I have kids. I'm doing this. I'm here to visit. He was a happy person, right? Yes. Who had, in this moment, gotten to put away some baggage from his past as well, right? And, and in this moment, she, in this, you know, her epiphany moment, she understands that, like, it doesn't matter she thought that going to New York and going to all these places would solve her problem because she wasn't happy with who she was, right? And so at that moment, she kind of realized that it doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter if I'm in Linfield with Alex or in New York City on my own or traveling all over the world. The thing that she has to come to terms with is that she has to like herself, right? Which is the hardest yeah. thing that we all ever do because we're oh. sometimes so terrible. It took me 30 odd years and I still didn't perfect it. So. Right. So that was just kind of a great moment, I think, for me to not villainize this person who hurt you, right? Because we're all just trying to make it. 
you know, that's that's a really hard thing for some people to come to terms with because I think having a boogeyman keeps the chip on a lot of people's right. shoulders. Yeah. And they, they almost feel like they have to keep on that direction in order to keep that chip on their shoulder and just stay motivated to, you know, I don't know, like to prove something. Yeah. Sure. When, when in fact, you're just sort of carrying around baggage. It's heavy weight. So like, I, yeah, I appreciated that. I thought it was, I mean, did I think the scene was corny? Of course. <laughs> the chances yeah. of run, like chances of running into that person in a subway at the specific moment you need them, of course that's silly but it's a romance novel folks We're kind of- it's a plot device to move the narrative along you know for sure all right so we went deep on that question that i wasn't even going to ask so anyway there you go that's me for you <laughs> that's fun it was great all right so this is written in first person as we've as we've said first person point of view mm-hmm. from poppy's perspective which you said you enjoyed it which i've heard a lot from you from you guys in these podcasts so you didn't miss having the male per- perspective at all no not even a little bit i mean uh, i i mean okay we'll just get this out of the way now uh-huh. I mean, don't we kind of get the male perspective enough on everything Hello, 24 fucking seven uh-huh. as, as it is? I mean, I think we've heard quite enough, <laughs> ma'am, over the years oh. from the male perspective. Oh, <laughs> we've been doing that. that a while. Uh-huh. And uh, so first of all, yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've, you know, we've already, we've already been there and done that plenty of times. We, we, we know what the male perspective is on these things. So no, I, I didn't, I didn't miss it. I, that's, that's all you see throughout the years, so. Sure, but let me ask you this. I mean, the, the point, yes, I agree with you. I, I don't care about what men think, but inside of this, <laughs> inside of this, except for you. As, as you shouldn't. <laughs> I'm kidding, mostly. But I, I guess yeah. the interesting thing within the context of a romance novel, I do think it's interesting that we, because we don't see the male perspective in these kinds of novels, right? In men in relationships. As That's a good point. Yeah. As they're depicted in popular culture are like, are, are just like when Harry met Sally, which is a, still a great movie. And I think has a lot of truth, but we're not, I want just, we don't see a lot of emotional components in from the male side in a relationship. So I think that this yeah. one of the things that's interesting about romance novels, even if they're written by women. And so I guess I'm glad you enjoyed And I, I mean, I, I thought this was great in first person. I don't, it's fine. But in a lot of romance novels to get that, from a male kind of male perspective is kind of what's interesting, I think. Well, to be to be more serious and, and less flippant about it for a minute. I mean, you know, aside from the whole like, yeah, 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 we already know what men think. We have for last forever now. But to, to answer the question seriously, I think it's very fascinating to be in from that perspective. And then you're just kind of looking at Alex and he's you can't there's nothing you're not in his head. So you don't really truly know what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. And and you, it's just I don't know, it's fascinating. And it also, of course, it lends some insight, you know, a female author, mm-hmm. uh, female insight, you're inside the female head perspective Mm -hmm. and and you know as a guy who will probably has spent his entire life to this point trying to figure it out (laughs) and probably never will it does lend some insight i'm like i'm like well this is you know not i I can you know like hey it's any little bit helps right i can i can sort of understand a little bit more what women are thinking (laughs) like that helps (laughs) so so no i i really enjoyed it it was it was refreshing and it was um a good lesson 
I would say. Right. Well, I mean, and the lesson should be really for you, Richard, is that Buck is going to be on that water taxi alone forever. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. But that's another reason why I love Buck, because he's fine with that. Look, is you know, like, like as, as long as Buck, you know, he has his party house <laughs> and he has his rando out of towners that come to the said party house. And he has a, a, a joint hanging out the side of his mouth, you know, like he's, he's doing good. And, and, you know, that's, there's something to be said for that sort of very utilitarian outlook on life. Right. Fair enough. I'm just kidding. Yep. Sure. I know. Yep. I know. <laughs> Whatever. Buck's awesome. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So we've come to the end of those, the questions part. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this book in particular before we move on to the categories? Um, not that I can think of. I think we, we, we covered a good bit of it. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Going into these quick categories of Richard, what was the hottest moment in this book for you? Oh, I mean, come on. This is obvious, isn't it? I mean, you know, I'm, of course I'm going to make a pun too, on top of everything else. The hottest moment in the book was the hottest moment in the book. <laughs> it was, uh, obviously when the air conditioning was completely broken in their little bungalow, and they were banging out on the balcony, you know, amidst the construction and the plastic sheeting and the rain. That was, come on, am I wrong on this one? That that was that was definitely the hottest mm. moment. Yeah, that was pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I can't think of any other moments. Not so. I was gonna say maybe when they're in the pool, <laughs> and they're like, okay, they're okay. Yeah, no, underrated. That was underrated, underrated hot moment. Yeah, I would say I can see that. But no, that had that. again. That was another one that sort of gave you a sense of reality. You know what I mean? Like I, I felt, I feel like I've been in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know myself. Yeah. So like, yeah, like that was, and, and whenever you can relate to something like that on a personal level, it does make it that much hotter and more visceral. Sure. So all right. I'm going to switch this up for a second. What was your most annoying moment? Most annoying moment? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'd probably have to say their whole, their whole like breakdown, their whole like central problem, like with, 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 you know, the Croatia trip and and what happened at the end there. (laughs) One simple sit down adult conversation could have solved all of this (laughs) years ago. Nipped it right in the bud. Yeah. You know, like for two best friends, the communication skills, you know, what are they so fucking scared of? Every you know, like, like apparently, but like they must be petrified because, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like something like that. If the, if the Croatia incident were to happen to me and like I got ghosted because of it, you better believe that like after about a week, I just would have like started calling your ass every day till you picked up the phone. It's like, no, we're going to talk about this like adults until we come to a resolution one way or the other. Like, I'm not just going to sit around for years and just be like, well, I guess she hates me now. <laughs> like, no, come on. I guess that was the only, really only thing I could say that was, that kind of annoyed me a little bit was just there. The central conflict I feel like could have been resolved. And I understand love is messy and, and never straightforward, but, but I, I feel like, one of the two of them could have cut to the quick a lot faster than that. But that that's, that, that, I guess that would be my answer. Because I like the, I love the book, but like that was, you know, when I'm like, oh, come on, guys, come on. You think you would have just continued to call? Because it sounded like she texted and like, yeah, kind of didn't respond. It sounded like it was more on him. Yeah. You know, like he he was just like, I'm not picking, I'm not, you know, like, like, no. 
And I mean, you know, and, and, and you understand why to a degree, because she was playing a little bit fast and loose and reckless with his art. Uh-huh. But like, she didn't even know that at the time. She figured this dude was like not even interested in that whole thing with the whole Sarah thing. Yeah. So like, you know, it's it's the classic, both parties are thinking different things and feeling different things and they can't quite connect on the, and that, I guess that was the annoying thing to me. It was, it was like, come on. You guys are obviously in love. Just have that conversation. Right. But I don't think that that's, it's obvious to people who are in it. Right. And I think that like, I, I agree with you. I think that that's silly, but I do think that there is a case to be made. It, yes, they're best friends. That's a very serious relationship. And we know from knowing about their lives that this is the only, I mean, Poppy seems to have some like one or two friends, but largely they don't seem to have a lot of meaningful and deep relationships outside of each other, at least that we know of. No, that's that's a good point. It is pretty much just the two of them. However, you know, they do seem to have a pretty supportive, you know, family um, on both sides, you know, that, that would listen to them. I just, it really isn't a big deal. Like I, I had to sort of like really pick at this question to come up with anything. Uh-huh. It's just such a fun, light, happy book to read that like you don't want to get... Like, I, I didn't find myself saying, like, God damn it, Alex, why are you such an asshole? Why are you such a, come on, just, right. but they're, they clearly are in love. Like, you, you can tell, like, halfway through the book, you know, and, and, and you would just think that one of them would just be like, look, we can't just go on like this. I need, you know, come on, like, let's have this conversation. Well, I think that's what I'm trying to say is that when you're inside of that, when your most meaningful relationship is very important to you, I think that taking it to a different thing is very scary. frightening and scary like and because I, could... I, I agree I, I admit that my answer is a bit waffly on that one because if I'm being completely honest with you nothing really overly annoyed me in this book I was really counting on you to be annoyed by stuff but here you, are. Here you are trust me typically I'm annoyed typically everything pisses me off <laughs> that's what so. I'm saying but, but, but it was, it, I, I'm being serious. Like this book was, it was a nice little, you know what I mean? Like it was nice. Like, I, like I'm not used to just like, like, like I'm, this is fun. I'm having fun. You know, this, this is, this is a good time. So it was, it was actually kind of tough to pick at this book. I thought I was going to have so much pissed <laughs> off material for you. Like so much, just like ranting yeah. about this book. I'm kind of counting I, on it, Richard. Yeah. Like, I guess next time around, we're just going to have to give me a, a really bad one. So, so I have just plenty of ammunition to expend. <laughs> right. But no, you're right. And I, it, 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 a sentence could have fixed it. Right. But they were, all I'm just trying to say is that she did a really good job. I think of making you understand why they did it. <laughs> all right. So what was the sweetest, most romantic moment to you in this book? Uh, I would have to say probably Alex taking care of her when she had the flu. Yeah, that was the best. Like I know that sounds like maybe a weird thing to consider sweet and romantic. No, but it was mine. It was mine as well. So again, it's just it's just so relatable, and it's just it's just one of those things that friends do. He had an opportunity to go do something fun, you know, on somebody else's dime, even, yeah. and and decided that he would rather take care of his friend and nurse her back to health and especially knowing that she's a giant man child or you know like (laughs) so and and doesn't really know how to take care of herself so like he i just thought that was that was really sweet and again i have used this word i have overused this word this whole cast but just very relatable Mm -hmm. you know it just it just i don't know it kind of tugged at something that that sentimentality in me 
Right. Yeah, no, it was my fa- one of my favorite moments. And it, it was, I, and it was so, it was cringy, right? Because she peed the bed and which is gross. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just like, he came in and like, <laughs> I think that's what everybody wants. Just like in that moment, I need somebody to take care of me. Please do it mm-hmm. without judgment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Preferably without all the judginess. <laughs> right. And he just kind of did that, right? He just was ha- not happy to, but he just kind of took care of it, right? I, I was going to say it was a very little moment too, mm-hmm. but uh, I also really liked towards the end of the book when she made some sort of reference to the past and Alex acknowledged it and then expounded upon it. And she said, you remember that? I thought you forgot about all that stuff. And he said, no, I, I, I remembered every single thing, every single moment with you over the last, you know, however long we've known each other. I just didn't want to seem like I was weird or obsessed, you know. I'm like, oh, that's kind of relatable too, you know what I mean? Because like, it's like somebody you really, you know, love. You can remember even the tiniest little details of interactions from 20 years ago and they're still fresh in your mind so right i I thought that was kind of cute no yeah for sure and that's a kind of an overwhelming thing about this book like i it was all very cute and actually i wanted to talk about that i forgot to bring it up in in my most annoying moment is that sometimes i thought it was getting a little too cute (laughs) it's very yeah no no you're 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 not wrong that's that's I, I'm I'm able to sort of strip away a lot of my my cynicism and et cetera to read this with fresh, honest eyes. But yes, even you know that little cynical part of me, every once in a while, did kind of crop up as like Jesus, man, <laughs> really laying it on thick. <laughs> there were times where it was just so like, oh, okay, we get like, it. All right, you guys are really cute, uh-huh. really, <laughs> really cute uh-huh. like uh i forget what part. there were so there were just a lot of like and i think and it they got wrapped up in those while i liked the inside jokes they got wrapped up in that because i was like oh, okay we get it everything is yeah you're and I mean, some of them were a little lame, like a win in Rome. Like that's not an inside joke, y'all. That that that's 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 fucking old as time. It's old as dirt. Everybody, people have been saying win in Rome forever. Okay, like that's not a joke. Since Rome, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, like stuff like that. But anyway, I wanted to make sure I got that annoying stuff in because it was like. All right. She's so small and cute and sweet and blah, blah. And he's so tall and stoic. (laughs) Was he so tall? I don't remember him being that tall. That was a line. That was her secret way of saying that she loved him for a while. You're just so tall. Oh, right. Whenever, like, she'd be kind of looking at him and he'd be like, what? And, you know, she'd be like, you're just so tall. Oh, yeah. I guess. I don't remember, but you're right. Now I remember. But there is also when she described him as she was describing the croissant, like warm and buttery and perfect, which I did. I actually thought that was funny. That was funny. And that was uh, that was brought up later as an inside joke uh, towards the end of the novel as well at the wedding. Yes. So, okay, sounds good. So I and I agree with you on the sweetest, most romantic. I thought there were a lot. I thought when she took care of him again, when his back kind of went out and I was like, what 30 year olds? back is going out by the way <laughs> just, yeah first of all <laughs> like i was fine with, like fine but like also come on man 
I mean, what are you doing? It's like, yeah, haven't had that looked at. <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah. Also annoying was honestly, truly the air conditioning breaking down. I mean, like I would just, I mean, like charge it. I thought, you know about, what I, mean? I thought about that too. Like there's no, there's no landlord or slumlord even like th- that exists that like, look, remember and he said like, like the whole, the whole building's out, yeah. bro. They would have been like, people would have been down in the lobby, like pounding the desk yeah. if that was the case, you know? So. Yeah, I thought about that too, but it just seemed like such a small detail. I'm like, eh, eh. Yeah. I mean, air conditioning is important. It's not like, oh, the pool doesn't work. It's like, it's air conditioning. It's just your, it's it's one of those like very obvious plot points, you know. I told you, they'll do anything to get people into one. To to get people, yep, in the same room and hot and sweaty. Yep, for sure. All right, sounds good. Okay, your biggest, I guess, your biggest objection in the book what it could be anything yeah i mean I, again i guess it was just sort of like um a sort sort of like my annoyance moment like with the fallout from the croatia thing just could have you know one conversation could have probably solved the, but then you won't have a book you know what i mean it's just like it's like trying to poke holes in movie plots it's like well that then you won't have a movie right. you know <laughs> like so it's like i understand that it was just a way to move the, the book along but but again the, the whole the whole like the whole reason behind them not talking basically for two years i'm like really that oh okay <laughs> but but um again i had to kind of pick at, at, at pick at the things that, that i didn't like about this book i thought like poppy's kind of her big heartfelt speech at the very end you know where she goes to the you know she goes to the school first to try to meet him there but he's not there but she runs into sarah and she's like kind of tacitly giving her approval of the whole thing. And I'm like, okay. And then like, she like goes down to the bar and then like finds him there and does literally like the oldest trick in the book, you know, come in and, you know, like profess her love nakedly basically in front of him and all of his friends, like while he's having a beer. And then he kind of rejects her sort of half-heartedly and she goes, flying out the door crying and he you know meets her in the parking lot and says poppy wait you know and it's just like how many times have i seen this i've seen this a lot sure (laughs) i will say that uh, as much as i did like the book once you got to the point where they like truly established that they were in love with each other the book kind of drug a little bit from that like it felt like after the what would that be the denouement Uh uh-huh uh, that, that is sort of like the 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 conclusion of the right. book sort of drug its feet a little bit and felt like it kind of had to tick some boxes right. almost yet you know what i mean like oh no there's still like 200 pages you know <laughs> like you know we still got to have the big moment where she professes her love and you know, still got to have time when they get pissed at each other and they have another little blow up and like it just kind of felt like we were getting a little bit paint by numbers uh-huh. towards towards the end of the book right. not bad but just like okay like you know yeah. I guess that that's that's uh, we'll, we'll go with that. Right. Okay. We'll go with that rambling mess as my as my objection, biggest objection. <laughs> it was perfect. You're fine. So, yeah, the end. She did give a long, long, long speech, and while I was yes. reading it, I was like, "There is just this is very long." <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was like, "There's just no way, I, somebody's talking for this long." But she and she said a lot of stuff. And I didn't realize, I guess, because I read it, um, I got an advanced reader copy of this like a long time ago. So I read it a long time ago and then I kind of skimmed over it again ahead of 
of doing this. And I just didn't remember that they were in front of other people in that bar. I thought that they were kind of like off to the side or something. So I didn't realize that she was. Yeah. Yeah. She came right up to his table with all of his buddies and school friends. It had the Delalo, Mrs. Delalo was there. They've been referenced earlier in the book. Uh-huh. She's a real battle ax or whatever. So that it was, is, yeah. uh, that's kind of lame. It just felt a little, I don't know. It's very like Cameron. A little, a little a, a hackneyed is too strong. Yeah. That's too strong, but it was, it was, it felt like one of the very few parts of the book that just wasn't realistic. Like nobody does that, you know, like in real life. And when they do, people laugh at them and like, like it just, that doesn't actually happen in real life. Nobody comes in and delivers this big, perfectly worded monologue, you know, and that just, that's just. Not that I know, not in my life, at least. Jeez, maybe maybe I've been missing out. <laughs> like, nobody's ever done that for me, at least. That's for sure. Well, I, sorry, Madrid. You'll have to, uh, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. But Somebody would probably do that for Buck, though, I bet. I really doubt it. Somebody's going to find Buck alone in his tent. His party tent? <laughs> his party tent. He's got like, yeah, I don't know. about. You're fine. It's Just, fine. Um, I Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I don't know what my biggest objection was, but that, I mean, that's a good one. There there are certain things, right, when you say paint by numbers, there are certain things that have to happen in romance novels, right? Well, yeah, I realize it's, it's, it's part of the genre. You know, you have to sort of cover certain ground. And I thought that even though she professes her love, we, I was expecting in that moment for him to just be like, oh, okay, yeah, let, let's, he's, you know, he's in love with her, like, you know, he wants to be with her, and, but he has questions, like, he, he's like, well, wait a minute, we gotta actually figure this out, right, which I thought was kind of a nice departure, it wasn't like, right. she's saying all this stuff, and that's the end, they had to, like, kind of, I don't know, talk about it, I guess. Right. Oh, no. I mean, you're definitely right. They, they have to put a bow on it mm-hmm. of some sort. But I, I just, I don't know. Like, again, like I'm, I'm kind of having to search for things that aggravate. It's just, it's a tough book to not like. Because it's just, it's so easy to read, you know, and everybody's been in these kind of situations before. It, it, on some level, like maybe you, you're, you're, you've never been like in love with your best friend for 12 years. But the vacation and traveling aspect of it, you know, like hanging out with your friends and doing friends stuff all the references and it was just fun book so it was it was it was kind of tough for me to you know find annoyances or objections so admittedly i'm reaching a little bit yeah cool it's great i mean i think that's important to talk about uh it's not it's not a failing of the book to have no you're right things to uh discuss so but yeah i i agree it was it was just it was easy and it was you know it was lively i did find at times kind of i was did get annoyed with poppy sometimes i felt she did kind of annoy me she's just so larger than life just so so quirky and just so eccentric and just in the bright clothes and the used bookstores and and it's all just kind of you know yeah I, I can see why she would get, I definitely wouldn't want to read like another book about Poppy. Like they don't need to like carry on her as a character. It's, it's fine. And one book of Poppy is all the world needs. I think <laughs> just enough. Right. Well, I think that we tend to get annoyed with the things that we recognize in ourselves and other people. Right. And it goes, <laughs> so I mean, there's a certain good. element of that as well, but I just. Very, very good point. Yeah. But anyway, all right. Most relatable moment for you. And you kind of talked about a couple of these, but. Hate, hating on Ohio. 
uh, you know, it's pretty relatable to me. Yeah. Dunking on Ohio is always relatable to me. Mm -hmm. A shithole, right? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Look at the cities. Look at the cities in this state. Look at the cities in this terror. Look at the cities in this state. Come on. What do you want me to do? Let's let's, let's talk about this for a moment. All right. Columbus is the best city in this state. Yeah. That's fucking depressing. What? What's wrong with Columbus? Um, it's Columbus. Looks like somebody wheeled in a city on a giant Conestoga, like a prefabricated. It's like a, it's like a set prop. You know, it's like a city that just sprung out from the ground one day in 1992. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just a very prefabricated, prefabricated, characterless city. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> you know, so it's basically just like like like, like it's, it's the Omaha of Ohio, and it's the best city they got. You know, Cleveland. It's we all know about Cleveland. We all know about Cleveland. In comparison, Columbus looks like the best city in the world. I'm sorry. It's so like, bad. Cleveland is that bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. And the home of the author, I'm, I'm very sorry, <laughs> Miss Henry, but Cincinnati, not a good city. It's just Kentucky. Not a good city. As been said on it's this just, podcast before. It's just Kentucky. It's like so boring. It's like, it's like a big, it's like a vat of like wallpaper paste. It's Cincinnati. It's just so boring, nondescript. It's just, it's just, ugh. And I mean, God, the, 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 okay. You know, I'm not going to get myself in too much trouble here, but, but yes, I very much related to hating on Ohio. Right. <laughs> I guess, I, I guess, I mean, to, <laughs> to be, to be, to be serious though, uh, I, I, uh, I like where I you live know. in Ohio. It's very bucolic and pastoral. I mean, what's, you know. Yeah, it is. It is. It's beautiful up here. Infrastructure sucks. Sure. And who, buddy, the people. <laughs> Let me tell you, the people up here. <laughs> anyway, uh, again, I'm not going to get myself in too much trouble here. I got to live in this state. So, uh, but uh, to, uh, to be serious, some of the mundane moments, you know, in the car, like on your way from one place to another, listening, you know, you got ox, you know, like, you know, putting on your playlist and then you, you know, you get a turn, you know, like just uh, going from place to place, new towns and destinations, exploring new places and you're with your best friend, stuff like that. Uh, very relatable, really pulls on those nostalgic feels of, of all those times in my life where I've just, you know, we've gone on like impromptu road trips and things like that. So I, I really related to that and, and, and it kind of cast me back to a different part of my life for a minute. So that I thought that was pretty cool. That was pretty relatable. Cool. Those are good relatable moments. So I think I had a lot. I, I, I really know a lot to this book, just in the way they interacted with each other. Probably most of all, I feel like I am just, I, their relationship was the most relatable part to me. I think that that's, you know, yeah, they're they're written they're written like real people. Yeah, that's maybe the the best thing about this book is just how believable she portrays their relationship. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, for sure. All right, fair enough. Biggest lie or misconception about men in this book, you think? Uh, oh, in the book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I, th- I think she wrote Alex pretty pretty believably. I think she wrote all the men in this in this book, except, I mean, Alex's dad must have been just an absolute emotional train wreck of a man, though, because like, like, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, like you lose the love of your life and that's horrific. But I mean, Alex is what, like 30 something mm-hmm. like, like, I'm just going to say 30 ish thereabouts. Uh-huh. So, you know, 24 years. Yeah. And he's still like breaking down all the time. Yeah. But I mean, 
misconception about men as portrayed in this book. Are you trying to say that you would not mourn your wife for 24 years after? Well, yeah, I would. I would, but I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know me, I'm not Mr. Like, stern, like, you got to take care of your responsibilities kind of guy. But bro, you got like sons and like a life. You know, you got to keep on going, man. Like, you can't just lock yourself in your bedroom for, like, and let your six-year-old son run the show. Like, like, that's, like, that's, you can't, you just can't do that. Like, uh, believe me, I wish we could, you know, that we just can't. So, but, but no, I mean, that's an aside. That's, a, that's a, my little tirade there. But I don't know. I mean, the misconceptions, I don't, that's one. I, I sat here and thought about this for a while and I don't, I don't, I couldn't find any way that she portrayed the men in this novel that rubbed me the wrong way or seemed disingenuous. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I, I'm, I actually just don't have a good answer for you on that one. Do you think that Alex was too nice? Um, Do you think he was too perfect of a person? He... It is maybe a little hard to believe that there, but I mean, I've met so many people that are just maybe not to that extent, but are just so giving and just have a seemingly endless well of empathy that they can just draw upon. And they're more interested in taking care of the people in their life than they are really taking care of themselves. You know, they're always thinking of other people first. So I don't know if like there's an Alex really out there walking around. He does seem a bit on the like too perfect side, but I don't know. I mean, not, not, maybe not too much. I thought, yeah, you know, I, I can see where you're coming from on that one. Maybe, maybe he was a little, a little on the like way too nice side. Like, you know, you get through 12 years of sort of just, you know, th- this whole song and dance, this whole dog and pony show with him and Poppy. And I'm, I like to think of myself at least as a pretty kind, understanding person, but it wouldn't have taken me nearly that long to be like, all right, what's going on here? We need to figure this out. This is this. Come on. Like, you know, you can't be dragging my ass around like this forever. Like, I, like I, I need a resolution to this, you know, one way or the other. So, yeah, in that way, maybe he was a little too patient, a little bit too nice. But as far as the way men in general were portrayed, I thought it was pretty, again, pretty accurate. And Buck, I mean, Buck was just, boy, she wrote that guy. You know, just like the ultimate bro, right? Like, that's a guy I want to hang out with right there. <laughs> you could, I mean, his name was Buck. <laughs> I think it's mostly just because his fucking name is Buck. <laughs> and he's from no. Canada. <laughs> My name's Buck. We're in a water taxi out of Vancouver. Yeah. You know, Buck doesn't have, he has an indistinguishable accent, though. He He's too lazy and laid back to even, like... Yeah, to, to affect anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. All right. Do you think that Alex... I just don't believe guys when they say, oh, I wouldn't... I mean, they only saw each other once a year, right? So it wasn't like she was stringing him along, right? Do you really think in those moments you would be like, listen, what's up? I just don't, I Well, he was was head over heels in love with her from like, you know, the moment they met. Was it the moment? I mean, like, I guess it was. He said, I've been waiting 12 years for this moment. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So, you know, he, he loved her pretty much from the word go and- you know, I, I guess I'm not going to say that it's unrealistic. It's just a little hard for me to believe. But I'm sure that there is many people out there who just who go 
their whole life. And it's sad to think of, but who go their whole life loving somebody who will never love them back and they just never get around to saying what they feel. Now that would drive me absolutely crazy. I, I would have regrets for the rest of my life if I didn't at least say something. But I think that there's, and, and, and it's terrifying, you know, it's, it's absolutely terrifying to love somebody. So they, um, so yeah, again, one of those things where I gave you an answer and now I'm half taking it back. that's how discussions work it's fine i mean between sane people at least (laughs) as opposed to just as opposed to just the way that most people interact now just shouting over top of each other no i'm never changing my opinion never give me all the facts in the world and they can all make complete sense but i'm just gonna shout over top of you here's a meme (laughs) people are fucking cretins these days (laughs) full stop right no tap, as the kids say. That's hilarious. All right. <laughs> Here's a meme. It's so true. And why the memes are so terrible. You know what it's, I mean? They They're suck just... ass. I don't even care who hears it. Memes are as overrated and fucking stupid as crypto. Okay? <laughs> all right, Richard. So that's all for the quick categories. And the last question is, so did this book change the way you'd previously viewed or felt about romance novels? I would, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, no, no, no doubt. Uh, like I'm, I'm actually like to the point where I'm kind of curious what this, uh, chick's other books are like, you know, because, because it, no, it was really, it was, it was okay. Look, I mean, like I told you the other day, this isn't going to win any Pulitzers. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not fine literature, but don't you think sometimes pretension can really get us into trouble? Like with movies, you know, God, some of the movies that people fucking torture themselves with just to like, to prove what this shit sucks. This is depressing and awful. Like why do people watch depressing, awful things just because they're artsy? What makes it artsy though? So I I just, I think pretension can get us in a lot of trouble and sometimes it's best just to sit back and enjoy things. You know, isn't it it possible just to enjoy something for what it is instead of having to overlay all these constructs that you have in your brain onto what something something has to be or should be. So yeah, and I guess it's like the whole point of this for me is that why is something that is enjoyable inherently less important? Right. So that's kind of what I've been, the thing I've been struggling with for decades, right? Is like, why is, and we've talked about it tonight. Some of the things that she talks about are meaningful and insightful and incisive and important, right? Just by the virtue of why is the, why is the relationship between two people frivolous to a certain extent in popular culture or in, in movies and literature? And why, what is the reason we have to have pain and suffering in our art for it to be meaningful and respected? Do you know what I mean? And like, yeah, is it at a certain point because dudes write it and create it and make these decisions and are the arbiters of what is good and what is bad. I don't want to blame the patriarchy on everything. No, but but, like, but there's definitely some of that going on. I mean, I think we'd be foolish to deny it, don't you? I mean, I think it's, a, I think it's, I think, I think it all, a lot of it is just, it's just cynicism. We live in a very cynical society, you know, especially mm-hmm. here, not Ohio, but just here. <laughs> We're a pretty cynical lot especially these days. And I think sometimes people just have a tough time admitting to themselves that they can just enjoy something for the sake of it existing. I don't know. It is it is a good question. And it's a worthy one of trying to figure out because 
you know, I should have realized I would enjoy this because, and don't take this the wrong way, what I call this, but I've always done shitty movie Sundays my whole right. life where, and I enjoy, I enjoy the hell out of that. Like just, you know, watching a movie that has gotten people have shat down this movie's neck for its entire existence, you know, just a, just this rotten ass movie that everybody hates and is terrible. <laughs> and, you know, we'll you know, put it on and just sit there. And of course, you know, like I love mystery science theater and there's a, there's an element of that going on. Right. Yeah. But a lot of these so-called stupid movies, like I just enjoy them because they're entertaining. They're fun. Is it why, what, what's wrong with that? What, what, what's wrong with actually, I can be depressed all on my own. It ain't hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like that's, that's, I can be angry all on my own. You know, I can be miserable all on my own with, you know, under my own power. I don't need help with that. Okay, it's like Requiem for a Dream. Oh, Terrific God. movie, right? Yeah. Terrific uh, movie. Don't no. ever want to watch it again. No, nobody ever. does it awful. Ever. It's like it has something important to say. Don't get me wrong. And it is quote unquote artistic. But I don't ever want to watch that movie again. Why? You know, whereas like, you know, something like Dude, Where's My Car? I'll watch that movie 20 times. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and, and I enjoy it. And I don't have to think. And I don't have to get sad and I don't have to be angry because it's just there for me. <laughs> so I think that's a little bit of what we're trying to figure out here and talk about, right? Is one of those movies people consider great. One of those movies people consider a pile of shit. So, so, but one of them I clearly enjoy far more than the other. And I would like to think that I'm not a complete idiot. So, so like what gives, right? Like <laughs> it comes back to, I think that pe more people need to just stop taking themselves so damn seriously. Very true. I, I don't know if I can get on board with you with dude, where's my car, but I. Oh, come I, on. I, Ashton Kutcher in his prime and freaking. Honestly, I've never actually seen it. And Stifler, whatever that guy's name was. Sean William Scott. Wow. Yep. You're yep. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. Pulled that one right out of the air. Okay. I'm impressed. <laughs> so getting back to the point. Yes, I agree. Dude, where's my car? Or like any of those, any funny movie. Like why is something that's fun and upbeat just not as respected? And I don't get it on that. Does, does, does everything have to be just like heavy and just angry and depressing and just sort of cynical and mean spirited to be art? I don't, I don't believe that at all. So that's my little, I, I, it's kind of a forming theory in my brain too. And it'll probably take me the rest of my life and I'll still never figure it out. But, but I, th I think the lesson is that people just, human beings, we just take ourselves way too seriously. We're really in, in the cosmic sense, we're nothing, but we like to think that we're something because looking at the other side of that coin is terrifying. And, right. and so we just, we're almost like forced as a survival instinct to take ourselves so seriously. For sure. I think that's a good point. Uh, I've just never taken myself seriously. So maybe that's the answer. Me so. neither. <laughs> so it, it, maybe that's why it's taken me. And that's why everybody probably looks at me like I'm just so just bizarre because like this guy doesn't take himself seriously even a little bit. That's got to be weird. And I think the opposite. Like I look at all these people that take themselves way too serious. And I said, your life is just racing by you. You're going to be yeah. 74 years old. And you're going to be on your deathbed, you know, sick in bed somewhere. And you're going to realize you worked a fucking job that you hate your whole life. <laughs> and that you had all these dreams and you kept kicking them down the road and you never did anything about them. And now it's way too late because you're dying. It's just like, I don't ever want to be that guy. I don't ever, ever, ever want to be I that also guy. hope you live past 74 because that's not that old. Uh, no, it's just an age I kind of threw out there. I, I figure I'd be lucky to get to that point even. So that'll be optimistic. 
you'll be fine. You'll be fine. All right. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a good, all good points. And so like, so your perception had been those bodice rippers in what kind of ways was this different than, than that? Well, uh, again, I think a big thing was being written by the female perspective. Mm -hmm. I think that helped. I think a lot of those classic ones are, are definitely male perspective books. That made it a little bit more interesting to me, provided some insight. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know, it, it was actually well written. You know, the, 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 the ones from kind of back in the day, not all of them, I'm sure. But the, but the, the, the very brief exposure I had to some of them, they were just very poorly written. They were just, uh -huh. just bad. You know, like bad descriptors, bad choice of words, just badly written. And mm -hmm. this was not. And maybe more than anything, if this was actually believable, you know, like right. I, could, I could see these people existing for sure in real life. I could see this relationship and all of its ins and outs and twists and turns. I could actually see that being a thing. Whereas, you know, the limited exposure I've had to this genre in the past was just very unbelievable. The character is very unbelievable. So, you know, just right. Adonis of a man, his shirt's always off. He's like working. He was just a simple farm boy. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> stuff like that. And it's just very unrealistic, very unbelievable. So, but yeah, or with barbarian like stuff. I'm sure there's a lot of fantasy driven ones still to this day, but it would oh, be sure. like literal barbarian stuff was like, Ugrok, you know, moved across the cave and grabbed the like nearest woman, like, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So um, this was actually, it was fun. It was light. And it was believable and relatable. Awesome. Anything else you want to say about the romance, about the book? Any final thoughts, questions? Well, I think I had, um, oh, let me check my notes here to make sure I didn't, I didn't miss anything. I, I, I did say, I did think that I thought part of the big reason why the, the relationship was believable is she did a really good job establishing their history. Right. You know, throughout the book. And that's important that it gives them a believable sort of backdrop to yeah. everything that happened. Mm -hmm. um, and it also sort of like acts as, as a way to like with Poppy's evolving feelings for Alex, you know, juxtaposed in front of that. So I thought that was a really good choice for her to go into detail about their background for the last 12 years or whatever it was. I think that there, there is a passage and I meant to write it down or at least reference the page it was on. But I didn't because I'm an idiot. But there was a the moment there was there was this piece of dialogue in the book where Poppy realized that she actually is in love with him. And it was actually very profound and well written. And I wish I could remember the passage, but um, mm -hmm. I was I was quite enamored with that. It was it was very mm -hmm. sweet and very, very, very insightful. I thought also the whole idea about their relationship, like, does this even work in a practical sense? I thought that was another very realistic, true-to-life element in the book. Uh, just like the practicality of it. You know, like they're in love with each other, but it's sad to say, but especially in this tired old world, love uh, sometimes just isn't enough. You want it to be, like you want to believe it can be. You want to believe this is a thing that can cure everything. But, but here in the real world, it just can't, you know, not all the time. So this idea that their lives in a practical sense are potentially incompatible is that's kind of deep. That's cutting because that, I really feel that you know, I've had to, people have had to move on from me and I've had to move on from people for those exact reasons. Kind of, that kind of hit me a little bit. And I guess the only thing I would sort of end on here in the end, and maybe I guess you could count this as a minor quibble, but can't people <laughs> just be friends, I guess. So you're questioning the entire 
premise. Of I that. know. Again, there would be no book. No, but no, but I'm, I'm, I'm like, as, like, so you're saying, why did they have to get together? Is that what you're saying? Like, well, not necessarily. Like, again, I would be sad if that were the case, because then there would be no book and right. there's no reason to even write the thing. But, right. but like, yeah, to, like I got plenty of friends that are girls and I have for a lot yeah. of years and they're my dear friends. And, and a lot of them, like, I just don't even, I've never even thought of in that, in that context at all. And, and so, yeah. I, I, and again, like I, like I told you at the top of this whole thing, like I really don't believe the whole Harry met Sally, Billy Crystal thing where he's like, you know, men and women cannot be friends. I think that's rubbish. I think that's complete garbage that I know plenty of people who make that work and but yeah, I mean, you know, I, clearly that's just me kind of being a jackass. Like, can't we just be friends? You know, like, like uh, <laughs> I feel like, but obviously then you don't have a book and you don't have a nice, you don't have the nice time that I had reading this. So. <laughs> no, but I understand. And I, I, I understand what you're saying. Like, of course, can we chat? How do we challenge this premise that women, women and men can't be friends? Right. right? And this, that's not what this book is for. But like, of course... Maybe some book does right. <laughs> where they end up like just in being friends and that's fine. And women and men can of course be friends. And I guess that was maybe the only reason why it was a minor annoyance is I, I don't, it just, I don't, it kind of like almost sort of validates that line of thinking, the whole like, you know, men and women cannot be friends. It's just not allowed and does not work sort of mentality. This the only, that's a lovely movie, but it's like one of the only kind of bad things about that, you know, Harry Met Sally is just like, we kind of got to go down this road where it's just why you couldn't, you guys just couldn't make, you just couldn't, you just had to hop in bed with each other. Like that, that's the only thing that could have completed your relationship with one another. You couldn't just be buds, just leave it alone. So couldn't you give him a Scrabble going on instead. Yeah. You know? I mean, like- <laughs> but, but again, that's just, I, I, I thought I would sort of just kind of try to tie it up with a little bow and just, you know, like, Hey, can't we just be buds? Can't we be friends here? <laughs> Can't just be buds. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're Buck, yeah, dude, you know what I mean. Dude, you're always gonna. She needs friends. to write a book just about Buck. Uh, Buck the water taxi stud <laughs> smokes his fucking pot just all day, just sitting there on the dock, <laughs> just like just like huffing down reefer, <laughs> waiting <laughs> waiting for the next like hot piece to come over and ask to rent his plane. Shirtless, shirtless, of course. <laughs> You know, all the time, shirtless. I don't think Buck has those kinds of standards. I don't think he's like waiting for the next hot piece. I think he's just waiting for the next person to come along. Here, we'll have, you That's know true. Saying? He he invited them. He invited them over to his party house. Didn't even know them. Yeah. They could have been serial killers. I just don't like Buck's. Just he's a live in the moment kind of guy. He's a come what may kind of character. Uh-huh. Salt of the earth. <laughs> I just don't think that Buck has. A like I think everybody is equal to Buck. You know what I mean? I don't think that he has the energy to say this person is more attractive than this. Like I, I think know, he's I just. An I, equal I don't know. I, I think I think Buck is a way deeper character than you're giving him credit for. I, I think I think that I think that Buck has depths to him that haven't been plumbed uh-huh. as a character. I think that they've been plumbed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> now look, it's Buck that does the plumbing. All right. Fair enough. But how do we know? Buck could, who knows what Buck's doing? You know what I mean? He's got, he's like Creed from The Office. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Or just like Chad Kroger from Creed, one of the two. (laughs) Yeah. God. Talk about things that are terrible. Oh, God. But fair enough, Richard. So yes, I, I don't know what books are where they're just friends, but I appreciate 
that the challenge to that undermines the fact that women and men can be friends, which they obviously yeah yeah come on now, <laughs> as evidenced by this podcast, I've got like sixteen dudes just reading romance novels. We 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 men we men make way better friends than we do romantic partners. So I'm sure that is very true. <laughs> we make way better friends than we do romantic partners. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's that. But anyway, all right. Sounds good. All right. Anything. So that's a great final thought. Anything else? Any questions you have for me about this book, about romance, the genre in general? Or No. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Richard. This was amazing. I hope you had fun. I had an awesome. I, I had a truly awesome time. This whole experience has been wonderful. And I really appreciate you thinking of me when you did this whole thing. Of course, Richard. Of course. So. We'll talk about the other book next time. And then, um, yeah, it was, I really appreciate the time and so glad you did it. It was super fun. And there's only one more thing to do. And that is Richard. Tell me that you love romance. <laughs> I, I'm an old softy at heart and I've always been a romantic. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs>